Welcome to episode 191 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. The amount of virtual content that is suddenly available can feel overwhelming, even as it's also reassuring and often quality information. Saying yes to everything and anything would our calendar, but it wouldn't fight feelings of isolation that many of us are experiencing. I'm realizing there's a balance we need to strike. The best way I've heard this explained is, there's a difference between just-in-time and just-in-case learning. While we're being selective about what virtual events we say yes to, we also need to be mindful of who we're staying connected to and how frequently. Otherwise, our suddenly empty schedule will quickly be filled and we will have missed the opportunity to reprioritize certain relationships. To avoid this happening, I suggest that we all create a 30-day connections calendar. Now, you've probably heard of a content calendar, you know, a schedule that helps you keep track of what content you're creating for which audiences and publishing through which mediums. Using a content calendar helps you be more strategic about how you repurpose like a a blog post several different ways. Similarly, creating a 30-day connections calendar gives you a framework to consider what virtual formats you could use to engage your network, family, and friends, and how often. This is an opportunity to create new habits while reconnecting with dormant contacts and nurturing close relationships. In these challenging times, we could focus all of our energy inward on our own circumstances, or we could instead create space for others to check in with us about their own lives. Your challenge for this week, make a list of at least 25 people you want to check in with this month. Some of these will be one-on-one check-ins, you know, utilizing a range of virtual tools available like email, phone, video chat, text, private message, direct message, etc. Sometimes organizing a group video chat is the best method of reconnection. Think about different categories of people you can reconnect with. This could include a reunion with classmates, a social with coworkers, or a celebration with friends. Make a commitment to take certain actions at certain times of the week. For example, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 a.m., you contact one individual on your list. And every weekend, you host a group video chat. Then... Map out specific individuals and groups to these times for the next four weeks. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's guest is a dynamic speaker who inspires audiences to feel they can conquer the world and make tons of great new connections while doing it. For over 25 years, he's been a top sales performer, a keynote speaker, and performance mentor. He is the CEO of Thrive, a company focused on helping businesses, leaders, and brands become even more amazing through the power of connection. He is the best-selling author of Master the Art of Connecting and host of the Thrive Loud podcast, which is dedicated to inspiring people to reach their peak potential in every facet of their life. Please join me in welcoming Lou Diamond. Robbie, thank you so much for having me on today. Truly a pleasure. And now that I did that intro a second time, you know that I know how to actually read off a page, Lou. Thanks for being here. I give you credit because I don't read very good. 
<laughs> so just being able to communicate and, and see other people do it. It's fun to be on the other side of the microphone. I, I actually have, what do they call that thing? Right in, you know, when you enjoy another people's misery. Oh, when sure, sure, problems, right. right? <laughs> I forgot what that term is. No, but you, do, you did a spectacular job. The second time around. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're doing a little behind the scenes there for a minute because, you know, why not? So, uh, so Lou, you're joining us from your office in New York. I'm thrilled that you're here. As you know, this is a show about building strong networks. Connections, obviously, is your forte. But the context of the show is leadership because, as you would probably agree, no one achieves success in a vacuum, right? So before we get into all the gold, that I know you're going to share with our listeners about networking and connecting. Let's, let's start with you. How do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? It's interesting because I learned that leadership had a synonym or a word that was synonymous to it. And I realized that a master connector is a great leader. And the skill to lead is not just to, as leadership would say, like have others follow you or guide others down a path. It's, I actually see it differently. Uh, leadership are those that are able to connect either people, ideas, technologies, organizations together. So to me, leadership is connecting and great leaders are master connectors. I do like that definition. You said I would. That's really cool. And different than all the ones I've been mean, doing this a couple hundred times now. I think that you see the world in a very particular way and can come to this definition because of that. But did you always like how, what, where did this sort of originate? No, de it, definitely. I certainly didn't always see it that way. In fact, as anyone else would uh, through the working world or even as a student, you knew those that were, you know, leaders of your class or uh, leaders of the country, of your school, and you went to university and maybe got involved in clubs and development and eventually saw companies that you went to go work for and saw how the leadership teams would work. And, you know, a lot of organizations before really the internet, I think when traditional business required everybody to have to kind of be in one place at one time, there were a lot of different skill sets and management school skills that needed to be taken place for running an organization. So a great leader might come up with an idea, but it was just as important for a great leader to be an effective manager and delegator and staff itself with great managers underneath it. Uh, as I guess we'll call it the solopreneur world came to be from not only just the internet technology and communication, but also the ability to work mobily, remotely, uh, and being able to have to now use different means of communicating to lead, connecting became an incredible important point of that. I worked in a very traditional uh, consulting world, which was connecting with companies for a very long time. And then I ran sales teams and organizations, which was connecting products to people and people to ideas and trying to close business. Uh, worked in Wall Street, which was another interesting world, which did a lot of that, but also helped to connect the financial needs and, and problem solving of the clients I helped to work with. And what I realized is that the best companies that I worked with were the ones that knew how to connect the best. And it took me probably that whole myriad of a 20, 25 year career to realize that that is where we need to head to in the future. So sorry for that long-winded answer, but it did take a long time, probably until I started Thrive, 
to help companies do this really effectively, uh, connecting top leaders, top performers, and brands. That's where leadership comes in. And, and that's where companies really kick it into the next gear. So it sounds a little fluffy on the top, Robbie, but it, it's such a meaty tool. And there's a lot of things you have to do to make sure that you connect really effectively. I want to dig back even deeper, both into your psyche and into your history. <laughs> so let's say, Lou, you're hanging out, you're on the playground, you know, it's early, early in life, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe like last week, I love maybe, playgrounds. I maybe, you're, maybe you're, uh, maybe you're in high school, you know, we can well, go back earlier. Sure. Yeah. What, what were you like? You know, were you the kid then who naturally helped everyone connect? Were you watching the rest of the room and seeing things unfold, but not stepping into it? Did other people see your potential for leadership or at least, you know, stepping into the space of differently? Did you admire someone who did it? Like, what were you thinking about way back in that period of time? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really funny. Even going way, way back, like to literally the schoolyard days and the pickup days, I, I think I always thought I was a better athlete than I always thought I was, but I'd like to perceive myself to be. But I was look, good enough to be dangerous. And it was, I played a lot of basketball growing up and we played a lot of street games. And uh, playing on the playground, I was always very social. I'll, I'll say this, even at a very young age, I was... I was the boy that was also very friendly. I had a lot of girl friends and, and boyfriends. I, I saw, I did, you know, they used to be like, oh, girls are yucky and all that stuff. I had friends that were both. I was always trying to bring those things together. Uh, used to have get-togethers. I, to, I was very social at a very early age. Uh, so I, I credit that to summer camp. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, I was always that person that loved to see people get together. I was that connecting person. And I also and still to this day have an unbelievable memory. Uh, so when I connect with people, even at that early stage, I'll have a very fond memory about the details of what made that connection really work. And I think growing up, I, I was definitely very studious. So school was always a very important part of my life like because I knew that that was important. I think also because I was good at it but also recognizing that you needed to be social. So I was that person that didn't have just like one best friend I had friends in different groups. I was in, I was on stage, not surprisingly, in the drama group. I played basketball. I was on that team. I was in sports clubs in high school and I'm bouncing around to all these different things. So I, I would never want to put myself just into one slot or one identity. I like the ability to bounce around to many different things. And I think that has been something that I've always liked to do uh, because I felt that you can learn from each one of those different folks. And whether I knew it or not, having those relationships and connections with other people um, helped me grow. So I, I, that's, that's, that's always been something that's been important to me. I can't say I have the, the most friends in the world or whatever, but I certainly know a lot of people because of that. And uh, that's a strength, I think, that I still bring to the table each day. I can very much relate uh, to the idea of having friends in lots of different circles and wanting to bring them together. Um, my, my parties were always like, you know, uh, 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 smashing together. Yeah. Like, you know, smush people together who ordinarily wouldn't be in the same room and have them discover connections that they didn't realize they'd have and friendships that they would develop. Yeah. And I, I love parties too. I, I, in fact, I could bounce from place to place to place. Like the, if I let myself just want, I could jump around throughout a party, the ability to enjoy that environment and try and see as many people and hang out with as many people. I love doing that. That's always a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I feel like when you and I are in the same like state again, we've got to co-host a dinner together. This is like, yeah, we would have, that, we would have like a whole state. It would have to be a state dinner. I it think. would have to be a state dinner. We'd have to advertise it for four <laughs> months. Yeah. So, um, how did you imagine your life was going to unfold? I mean, you, you took us through the sort of career path, but you know, you had these certain innate skills. You were very uh, p- people focused. You were studious. You were gifted in that way as, as well. Where, where did you think you were going to be heading when you were in, in high school, heading towards next phase? Yeah, I mean, when I went to college and, and, I, w- and I, I went to Cornell, which was a hard place to go to school because it really, really, you worked hard with it. Um, I probably had the most fun, I, the work hard, play hard mentality was what I loved about that place. And you and look, there are those people who just work hard and don't play at all that you could find anywhere. I, I, and there are places that they just play and they don't work at all. That uh, Cornell is always trying, I think, to kind of prove itself because it's, you know, it is an Ivy League institution and it's unbelievably regarded and it's very competitive. Um, many people will say that, you know, it's not Harvard, Princeton or Yale uh, because but once you're there, you're working harder than you are in those other schools. And I know that companies love that about Cornell and having recruited many people from Cornell over the years. It's a trait that I've consistently seen uh, and something that I'm very uh, drawn to. You asked the question, if what did I foresee myself doing? And the truth was, I knew I wanted to be in business. I knew as someone who grew up in New York in the 70s and 80s that I kind of wanted eventually to do something on Wall Street because that's just what you were most familiar with. And that was always an exciting dream within. And I danced around it a lot. Uh, my, my only real business experience before working in, in the workforce was working in my dad's retail jewelry store, which was probably where I learned every possible skill set you could ever learn, recognizing that those skills made me unbelievably exceptional in each one of the other areas from consulting into sales into Wall Street into running my own company. The entrepreneurial spirit, I think, has always lived in me. So I did not necessarily see myself, oh, I want to be CEO of a large company. I knew that I would eventually find my own path and what that would be. I wasn't quite sure. And I maybe along the lines of, in, in a similar comparison to meeting lots of different friends in different groups and places, I think I wanted to work in lots of different places and lots of group things. And that's why the consulting aspect, which I started off in the professional world in, was a way for me to connect to companies. I think it also helped to fill that need to constantly want to learn new things. Because in meeting new people and connecting with new people, I took different pieces from them. And in consulting and helping companies solve problems, the experience that I've had in all those places were the things that I would use to do that. So the similar skill set of wanting to connect with others it, as on a personal level was the same thing that carried over professionally. I want to go back for a second just to the fact that everything you needed to learn, you learned working for your dad in that business. Without a doubt. Yeah. My dad had a flea market booth. Oh, yeah. So I, I, we, used to do, we used to do some flea markets on the weekend. Yeah. We used to like try to make extra money and we'd go to... This was, for those who were in the New York area, there's the Roosevelt Field Mall. And uh, we used to, on weekends, and I used to freeze my butt off. Uh, We have this jewelry store, so we would take items that we would sell on the weekend and just sell them at the flea market, you know, at cash prices. And there were very good days, by the way, when it was really nice out, but we would go there on days when it was like 10 degrees and freezing and outside. Uh, I live out of the back seat, you know, or the trunk of my Subaru car or whatever model we had back then. And, uh, 
I do remember that it was, it was, but it was a great experience. It was certainly learning how to sell something that someone didn't need. So that skill uh, of finding out why they needed what they needed and helping them fill that because it is a luxury item. It's not necessarily something you can live without. It's not like selling, you know, food. Uh, it's something that is a nice to have and uh, helping to close that type of relationship makes it not about the item, but about the conversation and the relationship that you have. So actually, I grew up in Long Island, so I know exactly. Oh, I didn't know that. Where in Long Island? Uh, Ronkonkoma. Ronkonkoma. Yeah. So you really grew up in Long Island. So I yeah. grew up in Rockaway Beach. That's yeah, so that was really Queens. The edge. <laughs> and, then, and then I went to high school in Great Neck. So I was like just barely on the edge of Long Island. That's like- Barely on uh, the edge. For those who are listening, that's like exit 32 and Ronkonkoma's like got a 50 or 60 handle, right? You're 60. way out there. Yeah. 60, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're, you're basically halfway to the Hamptons. <laughs> uh, halfway through the island, it's true. There you go. Yeah, but uh, but having that experience of my dad had this booth for six years when I was like you know eight to fourteen or nine to nine to fifteen or so, and uh, yeah, like everything I learned, you know, he got time to lean, he got time to clean, upselling, you know, just all, can, customer service. I mean, it's it's a tremendous learning ground. You know, about the distance I am to my monitor right now was about the distance that I was over the counter to any customer that you have. No different than the way I'm seeing you. Or- for listeners, it can, I'm actually seeing Robbie through a screen right now. And this is where you need to connect to people. And I found it really interesting because a lot of the tools that I had growing up and a lot of the skills that we needed to have due to the technology or the working environment that I had in the years that I grew up were things that we kind of miss and take it, or take for granted in today's environment. And a lot of the things that I speak about or help people connect better with are a lot of those skills that were just commonplace back in the day, but have kind of gone away. I mean, the way people send emails to each other all day long, the way they just text instead of actually speak to one another. Robbie, if you were to tell me that phone calls in high school to girls named Jennifer would be job training, I would have laughed at you back then. But it's true because that's how you'd be able to understand the needs of someone through listening. And that is such an important element to the connecting core muscles I talk about all the time that you need to be really, really strong in the way that you can establish a connection uh, in, with a work colleague, with a potential client, with a new relationship. Those are the things that you need as the, as the baseline, as table stakes, if you would, to being successful today. And a lot of people miss out on those skills. So uh, we take for granted all those things, but uh, growing up and you learn them in flea markets. Who knew in Long Island? Yeah, this is the, this is the benefits of being Gen X in this world mm-hmm. of of having lived on that edge of you know. Bones. You know what I just learned, Robbie? Just Gen X. This is really funny. Oh yeah. Uh, the time of this recording. This is we're recording this late February. Uh, three days ago was the fiftieth anniversary of the launch of the Sesame Street song. Rubber Ducky, You're the One. The song is 50 years. Did, did, I didn't know this. Do you know the song made it to like, it, it was eight weeks on the Billboard 100. Like it got as high as 16. Go, go Ernie. But that would be my generation. So. And I still sing <laughs> that song to my kids in the desktop. So <laughs> it's indelible, right? Yep, yeah. True. But you know, we, we had phones attached to walls and now we have this like Facebook world where we forgot how to do FaceTime. And I don't mean the app. I like mean what we're doing right now, you know? It's it's true. These, these skill sets are uh, disappearing, kind of like handwriting. <laughs> yeah, very true. We're, uh, Although I will tell you, my handwriting was terrible. This might have been a good thing for me. So I, I actually agree on that <laughs> for me as well. So I, I want to 
talk a little bit about the challenges you face as you made these shifts. You know, you started to undercover a passion for connecting, a need in the world for that to be. The fact that people who had had found how to do that well were succeeding and were great places to work. And you thought there's a there's a need here. How did how did you define? I mean, as someone who also is in the world of like, I teach networking. Anybody and everybody needs it, but it's like no one really wants to buy it because it's a pain point that no one feels that strongly about. It's like, right. oh, I'll just avoid things that require me to meet people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I could just like not leave the house, which is true, actually. Right. You, these days don't have to. So how did you start to conceptualize the work you're now doing before you had, uh, I guess, proven that there was, you know, a, an actual client on the other end of this? So that's, it, it's really easy too, if you think about the, the first question that you asked about how I define leadership and I had defined it as being a master connector. I will recognize that I've done, if I looked at what words would define the best of leadership and I substituted the word leadership and put in the best of sales or the best of messaging or the best of connecting with people all the answers would be the same. All the skills that we would look for are actually similar. What I recognize though is there are three particular areas in my life that I have been very effective in helping people get better at. One is selling, and that is something that connecting is, that's selling to customers. So that's working with those top leaders to help them even connect better, the ones who are the top performers, the ones that know already how to close and sell, but now they want to be able to do it even better frequently. And sales is that's where I've always been doing it has been the customer facing of me bringing all those people together in my life. That's been the role that I've always been positioned in and why I've been naturally good at it. Now I could help others be better. Leadership, and that's connecting with your team piece. Just as I would, you and I would host these parties and want everyone to get together, there is an art as a leader to bringing all these people together and working together effectively. A lot of the skills that you would have for sales need to be almost carried over in the way that you can get organizations to lead. And messaging a brand and connecting your brand, this is something I, I've never been really good in drawing and artistic, but I've been very visual in the way I see things. And in fact, there's a window of time when the internet came in, uh, when I left consulting, I technically was still doing consulting, but I was doing it for digital services firm. The first companies that were building the internet, um, I was the head of sales for organic. We were building the first websites. So I was working with the creative arm in helping these companies message what they needed to get across. And this was a very visual aspect. So I could always see these things. I was very good at getting my message and clearly communicating how these skills can be translated into the digital space, into graphics, into today, into phones and everything. Uh, so those three things, though, are there's something really common. You, your lifeline of your organization that you cannot live without is sales. So people need to connect on that front. And that is a skill that I bring. If your company can't run together and it's not running smoothly internally, the leadership piece, it falls apart and it goes away and you need that. Now, marketing, you could say you could maybe might not be the priority thing, but I would actually argue you need to connect your brand to your customers to be the most successful in your space, which is why I work with companies to elevate them from one particular tier that they're at to get to that next level. So you asked how I'm able to take the skills that I've had in my career. It took me a while to realize that those were the three things that I'm the strongest at. And I also recognize they're also the things that are the most in common. So the, the little trick, Robbie, is that there isn't a difference between the way that I would work with each one of those things 
It's just the angle and the language we're using so that we're getting the message to connect. So the methodology is the same for all three. And it's the needs of those companies that need to be addressed today. And of course, because you had experience in the workforce working for companies, as you made the shift to being the solopreneur, were you and now, able- And now I have people working for me, but that's how it started, yes. Right, so as you <laughs> made that shift, were you able to, to bridge that by having like your first few clients were actually people that you had previously somehow uh, had a relationship with? I, I, I mean, uh, yes. And that's, in fact, that is still incredibly true today. This morning, I was, it, it, per, perfect example, there's a client who I've been working with since the beginning of the year that came from a relationship that I had maybe over 25 years ago from someone that I knew. Uh, and had a conversation with the leader of that company and they heard what I was doing and they knew this is exactly what they needed in the specific area. So having an understanding of those human leaders and connected with that and how internally their brand works, how their messaging works, how they want to connect to their customers, the things that they're missing out on. Uh, having that initial relationship always helps. Now, that's not always the case. I'm, I network and word of mouth and refer- references. They come from different places. Uh, but yes, those connections that I've had helped to grow that. And it started when I, when I left Wall Street, I knew that there was a need and I didn't know exactly where the need was as valuable. And there are, it seems to be that there are three certain sectors that need this more than others. Um, we'll call it technology companies seem to need it the most because they're growing so fast sometimes that they get a little mis- discombobulated, miscombobulated, whatever the word is. Uh, professional services firms, and I mean that that could be at the highest level of real estate people who are professional services selling that type of product to consultants, accountants. I try to stay away from attorneys, but yes, those people too. And, uh, and then I'll put this other area, which is really that marketing component of the business. There are a lot of marketing-based businesses. These are uh, big brands, big, big brands that are having that challenge. And that's where that branding component comes in those who I work for. That's who I, I deal with. And it's funny, I've probably worked in those three different sectors, sales, leadership, and marketing in all the different areas at different times for different companies. It, it's, it's, it's almost funny uh, how that has worked out that way, but that's just how those organizations connected with me at the time that we started to work. It feels like in retrospect, your career path makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, it's, and, what do they say? It's always good looking backwards and seeing where the lines go. But yeah. when you're moving forward, you have no idea where it's going. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. Yes, I, you know, like as you're as you're going, uh, you know, I I heard you say this earlier, but I think this is also who you are—a yes and kind of person. I, I certainly am. I also along those lines. I guess I didn't hit this um, when I when I left Wall Street. One of the skills that I wanted to check the box on because I was doing so much of it innately as a leader in my organizations that I wanted to become a coach. So I did get certified to be a coach, recognizing that these coaching skills would better enable me and empower me to communicate strongly, uh, whether speaking or leading, facilitating workshops, or actually working to come up with the solutions and the problems. Uh, It's that listening aspect of coaching that has probably made it in, inevitable. And yes, and communication in everything I do, I am not a butt person. Or Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that from you. Right? I, I get that from you. Uh, so 
as you're making this shift, you had the connections because that's who you are. You had the ideas, you had the skills. What was the challenge? What was the roadblock? What was holding you back? Was it a, like a, a mental state? Was it a, a skill set? Was it like time? Like how did you have to reimagine your, your work as you're making that shift? You know, it's funny, loving what I do now, I would not be nearly as good as I am with the clients I am if I didn't have the experience that I did leading up to it. So saying that I could have started what I was doing from the very beginning would not have been true because I never would have been able to take all those years of consulting, sales, marketing, and leadership skills to to the table. I, I needed to have the career in those different companies and fields to be able to make myself successful as an entrepreneur. So what did make the challenge and the hurdle was understanding what I broke out to you in those three needs. Because to me, I would see it and say, well, I know everybody needs this. Every area needs it. And, And maybe going too wide, throwing too wide of a fishnet, and then recognizing that if you kind of focus and laser in on the three um, areas, those companies and divisions or the sectors, if you would. Because what I realized was I wasn't exactly sure who benefited from the most. And then I realized, okay, boom, I can go this way. Some people will speak about a certain topic uh, that might be laser focused into one area, sales, leadership, marketing, whatever it might be. Connecting stretches across all three. So I had to try to help people understand that they didn't have to say, oh, this is a sales conference. I need a connecting guy. Oh, this is a leadership conference. I need a connecting guy. Uh, This is a marketing thing. I need a what? We had to shift everything on, on its side so that people would see that this slices through all of this. That communication took a little bit of having to play ball with the space. So the hurdle was messaging to the right people so that they understood that the value that they would get in working with Thrive, because by working with me, you connect to Thrive, uh, and working with our company would get them the results that they needed and across those different areas to bring them together. So there was a little bit of an education of the market and education of how we can communicate it better um, at, at Thrive. So that would, I'd say, was the, or the hurdle. And the adjustment was recognizing and taking the successes we've had from companies. And like anything else, you need to have a couple of wins in your pocket to then show, learn from those mistakes, learn from what didn't work so well and, uh, and take it to that next level. So how long ago did Thrive get started? Six years ago, uh, the end of 2013, beginning of 2014. And, uh, I I would have started earlier. Uh, I worked on wall street for a while. I I was raising my hand to say, please let me go. Uh, I actually moonlighted true story. Uh, I guess I, they can't go well, Maybe the seven year thing they could get after me. I was still working on wall street and a friend asked me to come to a conference and he needed help trying to attract new leads for his business. So I went with him kind of at it on my own and used all the methodologies that I had already, already known. And we were incredibly successful at this trade show. In fact, I, I'm not even kidding you. We inked with pen two deals while we were there on site, which is rare. And within a month of the time of that trade show, signed five more. There was like seven deals. And I was on the plane flying back with the CEO who brought me out there who was ecstatic to buy me some cocktail and, and you know, whatever class of seats we were in. It certainly was not first, but we were sitting in a seat and I think he went out and we brought a drink 
And he says, do you know what it is that you do? Because I do not think you know what it is that you do. And you need to tell the world what it is that you do, because this is something that I've never quite understood, but you seem to have nailed out. And before I landed back from that trade show, the outline for Master the Art of Connecting was written, and that was the impetus for starting Thrive. Wow. I, I Thank you for sharing that particular story, because I think that that, that sounds like the Genesis story, really, yeah. because someone had to see in you something that yeah. you innately just knew. I think that's what's so hard is when we're naturally gifted in an area of life. It seems so easy and so obvious and so self-evident um, that you can't imagine that other people don't see the world that way. And Robbie, part of it is, and, and that was a good coaching lesson too, because right around that time I was, that's when I actually was getting certified as a coach. And I think understanding that m- I was very much in what we learn in coaching is listening level one, which is internal listening. And that we do this 98% of the time where we hear something and we make it about me. And like, I'll tell that story to any one of your podcast listeners. I'm like, oh, I remember that moment like that. And they'll think about it themselves. And that's not what it's about. To make it as you're doing right now, which is called focus listening, listen level two, you're just listening to what I'm communicating. And you're playing the role of a coach in this host of a podcast show. And Robbie, you're taking my words and actions and the things I'm saying and making it just about me, which is not about you. And that is where connecting begins. So for that communication and that aspect of it, that's, you can get a better perspective. You have a better understanding of who you're trying to connect with. So I couldn't see even myself on the way that I was, this is how I've, I've always done it. How is not everybody you know, connecting this way? Why wouldn't you do these things? And recognizing that there is a little bit of an art of it and being able to share that art is what I love doing. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty tremendous. I, I actually want to dive a little deeper into that art of connecting. Um, I, I think about our networks that we have is sort of multiple tiers, you know, and you have like that close circle of people that you, you know, you don't really have to keep track of because you see them on a regular enough basis. They, you don't forget them. And then there's sort of the second and third sort of layers out. It could be someone you see once a year at a conference, someone you work with five or even 10 years ago, but really enjoyed um, past client. You know, it's like, it's those good people. It's those, you know, that you kind of circle through. How, How do you, nurture and sustain those second and third layers out? And, and sort of what are your philosophies, habits, or practices around that? Well, it, it, it's ironic because uh, I know you use the word networking a lot, and I actually use a term called connect working. And that is, we're never there to really network. And yeah, we have people in our network that we're adding to uh, and we do that. We have that in our LinkedIn accounts and our social media accounts and who we're following or linked to or email addresses and all that stuff. And, and you meet somebody at a trade show or at a meeting and you shake hello to them and you see their name tag. Thank God for name tags because names are hard to remember. And you see them at that moment and you've added them to your network, but you did not necessarily connect with them. The goal is not to network. The goal is to take your network and make connections. in them. And the hardest thing to your point is like, there's a timeliness to when those connections are most valuable. So what are the things that you can do, one, so that when you meet someone, you really understand and make a deep, impactful connection, just as you and I are having right now, Robbie, all those stories of 
flea markets and stories and you hearing my journey. And eventually, if, if we were really having a conversation, I'd be asking you similar questions. I recognize this is your podcast. Uh, and I do that too much regularly. We'll have you on and then we'll do it that way, Robbie. We'll Brilliant. So that aspect of it is it stays in your brain, but there's still some actions you need to deliver. There are many tasks and activities you can do to keep connected to your network. Don't underestimate the art of communicating thought pieces to them, sharing to your entire pool of people things that everybody would value, but also recognizing the things that specific people would value. I use um, a really cool CRM app uh, called Close, C-L-O-Z-E. My favorite part about it is it's a true relationship management app. And the reason it does, and I'll, I'll go to it right now because as we're on the phone, I'll go on the phone. As we're on the podcast, I'll go on the phone here. And I'll go to close. And in my agenda thing, it'll tell me if I haven't connected with someone within a certain number of days. I try at least to have some touch point or one touch point with the people who have really had that good value of, their, of my network at least every 30 days. Um, Doug Sandler hosts the Nice Guys on Business podcast show um, in his book, Nice Guys Finish First. Doug talks about re- making an active reach, reach out point every 30 days. I'll tell you, I'm in that active point of his and I know when it happens, I joke with him. I go, oh, must be 30 days. Must be that time of the month, Doug. Uh, so I'll get things here. Uh, this woman, Christina, I haven't spoken to in 24 days. Last communication to her. And she might be getting something soon or something that I know I'm reaching out to or maybe I don't need to. Managing those relationships is an active, ongoing process that you actually have to work on. You have to find a window of time to make sure you're communicating it. There is mass communication to a lot of people. There's specific communication. And as it relates to what I deal with most, specifically that area of prospecting, helping people find those, um, those leads and those relationships, there is certainly... And, There's no formula to say the right exact time, but I will tell you that continual frequently checking in with people, if it isn't going to establish the connection with that individual, if you've shown value on how you're going to help someone else's world, one, in kind, they'll do the same to you. However, they'll also recognize that they know someone else that needs what you need. You've heard that expression, those that are looking for like a job, you never eat alone. They always say, like, have a meal with someone else. That's when you're looking to expand your own network and get yourself connected. It, it shouldn't change in your line of work, no matter what you do. You should always be looking to make those connections to find new opportunities every day. Just make sure you allocate time to do it. Because if you don't, you miss out on the great connections you could have had in the past or that you could be making in the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what you're, what you're getting at here is also the simplicity of intentionality plus action. Yeah, I like that. You know, I think that you... You said that better than I did. (laughs) That's my my role as host. (laughs) There you go. Look at you summarizing all this. You're listening so well, Robbie. I like it. (laughs) So uh, I have a belief that is not tested, but it's a stat. So I'm going to just make up a number here. But I believe that 80% of the people we need to know to be successful, we've already met. 80% of the people we need to know we've already met. I guess the question to me is, do I I agree with this number or do I do I? Well, what do you think about that? I mean, it's sort of like a lot of people think of networking as new people. Always, always add new people. Go to Uh, events. Okay. Um, Add add new people. And I'm like, you got a lot of people you've known 
You know, well, this so this is, is where my connect working thing would be. You could constantly be adding new people into your network. I've got no issues with that. Um, and, and, and there are times like here, I'll use, I'll use LinkedIn as an example, just because it happens every day. I'll go in and I'll see someone is trying to make a connection that maybe there are no overlapping connections with this particular person. They might be from a different country or there might be a total solicitation or something that you get. And I look at that and, and, and those I don't necessarily click on. What I'll usually do is if there is an overlap of a mutual connection, that's where I will join that person to the network. Now, that's adding to my network. But I think when I'm looking to grow new business, new opportunities, expand the things that will help me learn more, that's also another part of this, your existing network is where you're going to have to grow your connect working relationships. You have to connect work more effectively. So the ones that are already in your network is where you need to do the work to make those stronger connections. And you're probably right that the majority of who you've already met will be there. I, I guess at the age that I'm at with a five handle now, I would say that that would be different than when I was much younger and starting the workforce. I still had probably 80% of the people in the world to meet. So I don't necessarily know if that is true all the time. That could be true at a certain state of point. So early on in your career, you're, you're wanting to add many more people. So I don't believe you've hit that threshold. Yeah. Um, maybe later in life, that's true. So I'm going to say it's more like probably 70, 30. How about that? I think, I think that there's still a good chunk of people that you need to, to add into the mix of where you need to go. This is great, Lou. This is such a fun conversation. I love, I love how this is all weaving together. I, I'm as we stick on the the, uh, the network piece of this for a second, because you said earlier you have a love of events. I'm curious: Do you host events? Do you convene <laughs> people as part of your process of bringing people into your world and staying in touch? So I, I used to host more events uh, to do exactly that, and. I think also the way that my career and where the revenue sources come is where I'm technically going to a lot of events where I'm either speaking at them or, uh, you know, consulting at those locations a lot. So I'm, I'm constantly at these type of events, a lot of top sales performers, top leaders and places like that. But the networking events, I still, I still try to go to, I will tell you, I think it's important throughout the year. I talk about this. Uh, I do this whole thing about connecting your voice V O I C E. And without going through all the letters, the V is a vision. And at the beginning of every year, I have kind of a connecting vision of who I want to connect work with. So I'll look at the vision of the year, the calendar. There are events that are not just getting new clients and new business. There's actually a component which is growing my own business, a little self-work, some skills that I need to work on. As I mentioned, I'm a speaker, so I'll go to the annual NSA event hopefully every year. I try to go every year, but if not, I'll, I'll flip it around. As a podcaster, a perfect example, I met you at PodFest in, in Philadelphia and I did not go, it was Podcast Movement, Podcast Movement. And I did not go to Podcast Movement this year just because I had other events. I do remember at the beginning of last year, looking at the calendar saying, it didn't make sense for me. I was allocating some other time, but I actually planned it out. Um, and I'll plan out the opportunities of where I want to grow my network and in which areas. And it's intentional. And even before I go to a specific networking event, I have a game plan. I come in with a game plan of who I want to meet and who I need to connect with and recognize that I'm not going to do that always at once, but try to map out a plan as best as possible. 
Uh, too often people think, hey, I'm going to position myself there and anything will happen. Now you got to come in with intention. I'll find out who's going to be there, the type of people I want to meet with. Maybe it's a company, maybe it's a certain person I want to hear speak or talk to and learn more about. And there's always, you know, the wild card when you meet them there and knowing how to then take it from that point and bring it to after the networking event is the essential. It's the follow-up skills. And that's some of the stuff that I teach and and coach on how you can do those follow-up skills and be really effective in the moment. So I have, I have one thing for you that I'm not sure that you've come across before, which is I coach people to draft their follow-up email before they go to the event so that they're thinking hmm. about who they want to meet, yeah. what do they want to learn, what do they want people to know about them, what can they offer, and they kind of get into that, the, like the intentionality is set, the mindset is there, and they're much more likely to follow through now because they have that draft, you're not just sitting at a blank screen and they get back from a three-day conference, they you know, they went in with intentionality, they met some of the right people, and now they're just much more likely to follow through. I think it's, and I think it's a good tactic. I think the content of what that email would be, would be where I would differ from you in the sense that if you really did your job as a master connector in one of those environments, the what the follow-up email, if it's in your queue as a draft of what to go out, 99% 99% of the time of what you're going to send wouldn't match up to actually what you're going to send to them. Because if you did it right, you actually learned something about them that you didn't know. And there might even be a task that you have to do or a personal story that you'd want to share in that, in that quick message. Or even if you were really good, you already set up that I'm going to be sending you this email, which would fall in line with your plan to set something up for, the, for a meeting to follow up. Um, I, but I do like the idea of pre-writing it so that you're ready to know that you could follow up during that path. I like that idea, or at least yeah. laying the outline. An email is going to be going to person A, B, and C, and uh, then getting to it. Right. I mean, of course, you'd, you're personalizing it. You're, yeah. you know, here's where we met and what we talked about, and here's the thing we're going to connect about next. But right. I just think most people going to events are collecting stacks of cards, but don't think about <laughs> the day after and what they're going to do next with them. And, you know, the, the, the saying hello and actually building a relationship are not the same thing. So, um, all right, I, I want to just move us to my last. This is my last, but one of my favorite questions, Lou. And it's your show, Robbie. We can go any way you want. I know, I know. I'm steering <laughs> us slowly. It's like a big ship. I have to like steer it carefully. I know that we're going to see each other again in the future because I actually go to NSA every single year, the annual conference. I think I knew this. Um, I knew that. that was I did. We didn't see. Didn't I see you in Dallas a couple of years ago? There's a possibility of that. Okay. <laughs> so I remembered podcast movement, and we're going to yep. shout out to Nicole Holland who actually made it possible yeah, for us Nicole. to connect in person. Um, at Podcast Movement in front of her booth. So uh, if we are connecting a year from now and we are celebrating all of the successes that you've had in the previous year, what are we going to be celebrating? I, I've, got, I've got a few answers. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be quick to each one of them. Uh, there's, a certain, there's a certain number of events and speaking things that I actually have set up for the goal for the year. So that, that's a number. That I've targeted, and so that means I would have spoken at around forty to fifty events. That's a pretty, that's the target I'm going for. Uh, that means I, the podcast show would still be going on, and we would have driven a significant amount of revenue from it, which is something we do every year. And I want to be in a position to actually get the next book out there. So it wouldn't be at a year from now. I'll be telling you I've got this new book in the works because I already have the book in the works in my brain. 
uh, there's just the time factor and the right timing of the market with that. So those would be the three things we would celebrate. I cannot wait to celebrate all of that with you. <laughs> I like the way you're thinking, uh, specifically the first two. That's great. Let's make that happen. So uh, Lou, how can people find you and follow your work? So the easiest way to find me is to go anywhere, whether thriveloud.com or anywhere in social media at Thrive Loud. And we have the Thrive Loud podcast, which is on thriveloud.com. You can find it there. And I highly recommend listening to the Thrive Loud podcast. If you can, go check it out on a new app called Good Pods, which is a phenomenal uh, a phenomenal platform, which is like a social media platform with podcasting that you'll probably hear more about. A great place to connect and learn about great shows like Robbie's and mine. And I'll then finish this up. You could also go to loudiamond.net if you want to hear any of the speaking stuff that I have, which is all connected on thriveloud.com. Well, fantastic, Lou. Thank you so much. We will have all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com, as well as links to your LinkedIn, your Twitter right there for people to connect with you, because that's what they should be doing, connecting and connectworking. Connectworking. <laughs> it's with the C in the middle. It's hard to connect say. Connectworking. Yeah. So thanks, Lou. This has been a really fun conversation. Uh, Robbie, great. Thank you for having me on. Totally a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lou. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 191. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as nearly 200 archived episodes on this Pinterest-inspired page. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. Now, according to an International Association of Exhibitions and Events study, 76% of people said that networking was the top driver for why they chose to attend a live event. Events are about more than great content. They are about the possibility of great connections. Virtual events have traditionally been all about conveying content. While live events are not possible, it's urgent that we use technology to share content and networking opportunities. Do you need help with this? I've been emceeing different kinds of virtual networking receptions and other networking events, and I consult on strategies to incorporate networking into virtual events. To start a conversation, send me an email. My email address is Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. If you enjoyed this episode with Lou, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.